reminded me how blessed we are as a church in this area to have Bible colleges and seminaries near us. Stephen is a product of APU. Uh, we have people who are products of Talbot, Biola, Fuller. And so we as a church are blessed to have these people near us, these schools near us. And because of that, we have staff opportunities and people who, are, who can take leadership positions. I'm fiddling with this because my bookmarker got caught in my zipper. You know, at least it's this zipper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you have your, um, your bulletin with you, I invite you now to pull out your bulletin and pull out your connection card that's inside your bulletin. And on your bulletin, there's some things to be reminded of. Let me see if I can pull my bulletin out. On your bulletin, we have uh, naturally our food and fellowship today. We have our parents and preschoolers group meeting today at noon. That's the POPs group. Uh, and, but looking forward, just keep in mind, uh, this is always a fun thing. We have the ladies' tea coming up Saturday, March 25th. So ladies, this is a great time to sign up and just have some good fellowship and enjoy some. I've never been to it. <laughs> it's closed. Talk what I said. Just forget it. <laughs> Registration is closed. You missed it. What it means is next time when you get the notice, you gotta sign up right then. Okay? Registration is closed. So next time. Sorry to hear that. We just need a bigger room, I guess. But there's the orange family time, rose outreach, just various things that you can look at at the bottom of your of your uh, back of your program. But also just keep in mind on your connection card, there's a backside that allows you that if you have any questions or want to reach out to us and communicate some things, please do so. Uh, also, when you're done with this, just leave it on your pew. You know, Pastor Corey is not here today. Um, some of you may know that Pastor Corey and Eric Hoxie, uh, are, uh, they probably are done. They, they ran the uh, LA Marathon this morning. You know. They're clapping. You don't even know if they made it. <laughs> it's, it's like I got this text on my phone earlier this morning, and all it had was, help. <laughs> Maybe it was Pastor Corey. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he's been training hard for it. I know that he has. And this was his vacation week. He knew it was coming up. And he and Chelsea uh, stayed at a hotel in Santa Monica last night. And uh, Santa Monica is the ending point for the run. And then they bus him over to Dodger Stadium. So think of that. They run from Dodger Stadium, and they run to, uh, I, I guess it's the Santa Monica Pier, right? Something like that. Yeah. You know, my, my wife runs half, marath half marathons, and um, people ask me, well, don't you run with her? And so far, my pattern has been, if I take her to a half marathon, I drop her off, and I go have breakfast. <laughs> That's all. Uh, If you have your Bible, why don't you open up to Matthew uh, chapter 11, the Gospel according to Matthew. And we understand that as you turn to this, when we think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a very simple way of looking at the Gospels is like, think about a, a, a car intersection. Uh, uh, it's two streets coming together, and, and at each corner, 
you have a, a person at each corner. And then let's imagine an accident takes place right in the middle of the intersection. So the police come and they say, well, what happened here? And they'll go to each person on the corner and they're going to ask, well, what did you witness? And each person, because of the angle in which they're seeing that same accident, they're going to give a little different uh, uh, view of what took place. And in some ways, that's how the Gospels are. That, uh, that God arranged it that these, these four men who he spoke through uh, are talking about the same life, the life of Jesus Christ, but they're given that little personal touch, that, that angle and how they saw his life and the things that God brought to their attention. So here we are in Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, you guys remember? And tax collectors were hated by the Jews because they worked for the Romans. But um, boy, the, the Lord just won this, this tax collector's heart and he became a faithful follower. And God used him to communicate this truth to us. So Matthew chapter 11, let me read for you verses 25 through 30. And that's what we're going to cover today. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, as we turn to this text, uh, we just count on you to, to reveal your truth to us. We're all in a different place, Lord. We're all on this, on this journey as pilgrims on this earth. And so, Father, you know what each one of us needs today. So we count on you, Father, to teach us your lesson. And we thank you that we can come in before you and, and open your word and have the freedom to meet together like this as believers in you. So thank you, Lord. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you guys go to Las Vegas? You know, some, of you, some, some, some Christians feel Las Vegas is not a place for Christians. Matter of fact, I went to a Bible school in preparation for going to overseas, and uh, this was in Sacramento, and um, they were very strong, and they said, you know, for Christians, Christians should never willingly go into an environment like Las Vegas. And you know, for some people, that is good advice. Um, and but generally speaking, my, my feeling is that if you're going to go contrary to God's ways, you can do it almost anywhere. But my question today is, when you think of Las Vegas, uh, what things come to mind? Well, you, see, I don't gamble. I don't do anything like that. But when I think of Las Vegas, one of the first things I think of are, are discount outlets. Because the reason I used, I, I used to go to Las Vegas is that I would buy all my kids' clothes for the whole year uh, uh, at these discount outlets. Remember, I got three daughters, and man, they, they go through clothes like, like crazy. And so I'd go there for the discount outlets, and it, it was, it, I thought it would be a, a good way for the kids to kind of get a break. But the other thing I think about that comes to mind are buffets. You know, now, now buffets are really cool, you know. I mean, let's think about it. If you go to a really good buffet, 
and you're really hungry. Oh my goodness, isn't that fun? But you know what's wonderful about a buffet is that even if you go to a buffet and you're not that hungry, you can still find something that you enjoy. You'll still find something that, 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 that says, yeah, I'm glad I came. See, that's how I think the church has to be. The church has to be a place for everyone, whether you're hungry or not. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This morning, we're going to continue our study of, of becoming the welcoming church or being that welcoming church, a church that when our doors are open, that whoever enters those doors, we have something of God for them. Um, and so we're going to continue that in looking in Matthew 11 here. And we want to keep in mind that when you think of a welcoming church, that maybe you have a relative or a friend or someone who doesn't go to church. As a matter of fact, they may think, church, that's not for me. But, uh, but know that we are trying our best, our hardest, to be a church that would be a church that was welcoming and attractive to anyone who enters our doors. So that's where we're going to start today. So, so let's get into this. And if you, if you close your Bibles, open again to Matthew 11. And we're going to go get back in to, to, to Matthew 11. You know, before we get into this, because when we think of making worship uncomplicated, if you're looking at your, at your, your handout, you know, I, I, I just read recently a study that said that over all the United States, that if there's a favorite day of the week, that day for, for a vast majority of people in this country is Sunday. And the reason why Sunday is such a favorite day of the week for people is because Sunday means to many people freedom, the freedom to choose, that they are, have no school, uh, uh, there's, there's, there's no work for many people, and in general, there's just less commitment on a person's life on Sunday. So Sunday is that box they checked, and they said, this is my day of the week, this is the day I really look forward to. And this is where we kind of have to start when we talk about being a welcoming church. We got to understand that if someone sees Sunday as their favorite day, and they're willing to give up that morning of their favorite day to be in, in this church, then the church better have something worth giving up for. If you're here and you can think of maybe a dozen things or more, things you could be doing rather than sitting in these pews this morning, I hope that the Lord has something for you. And we as a church have to be sensitive in creating a worship service that makes it worth your while to be here. That's just, that's just a simple way of looking at church. And so let's get into making worship uncomplicated. Let's go back to our text. And, and let's reread verses 25 and 26 and try to pull out some of God's truth here. In verse 25, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Now, it's hard to understand, why did Jesus say this? We have to back up, and if we back up a couple of verses, we understand that the reason Jesus said this was prior to this, he was actually, we could say, um, bringing up the names of three 
very prominent churches in, in Galilee. And these churches, Jesus was bringing up, not in anger and, and, and not in hatred, but he's bringing up these churches because there he did these wonderful miracles, some incredible miracles in these three major cities. But yet, no one in those cities came to believe in him. And so he was bringing it up and saying, look, we... We did all this. I, I, the Lord, you know, I did all this, and, and, and the Lord, you know, the God, my Father, we, he, we, we went to this place, and the people chose not to believe anything I said. Nothing. But he ends here when we read this verses. He doesn't say this in anger, but he understands that God's ways are. And what are God's ways? God's ways are different than man's ways. God is presenting his salvation. Think how he presents salvation to you. That salvation, that relationship with the creator, salvation, that, that, that opening up of, of heaven to us, is simply presented to us by means of faith. That we can have this thing called salvation, we can have this thing that has to do with a personal relationship with God and an eternity in a place that we consider paradise simply by believing. That the, that, that the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life is a gift. It's a gift. And to receive it, it just takes believing. And when we think about this, this is the work of a wise and loving, infinite, eternal, sovereign God. And what is he doing? He's dumbing it all down for us. He's dumbing it all down for us to one word, faith. We read in his word, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He simplifies all this incredible stuff we read about and are taught about down to one word, and that is faith. And it sounds too simple for some, but not for a child. And that's what Jesus gets into. Think about a child. Uh, think about your children or you as a child or your grandchildren. Let's say that we go to a child Let's just pick some ages. Let's say between seven, and, seven and, and nine, and we say, hey, would you like to go to Disneyland? Boom! They're going to say, yeah, let's go. Let's, they're giving, jump in the car. When are we going to go? When are we going to go? Are they thinking about how much it's going to cost? Huh? Are they thinking about how much parking is? Are they going to drink from the water fountain if they're thirsty? No. Are they thinking about the energy and the time to go to Disneyland. They don't talk about, think about any of the cost. But see, that's kind of how the Lord is saying, hey, you want what I have for you? It's a gift. You may not fully understand it, but it's a gift. And you have to receive it like a child. When it comes to the spiritual, the invisible, the heavenly realm of God, God sees us as unknowing, frankly, immature children. And rightfully so, because when we think of the most mature Christian, think of the most mature experience, you know, just really counting the cost of being a Christian that you know, 
even they have only kind of scratched the surface of what, what, what God is, who God is and all that he is. Just scratch, barely scratching the surface of understanding the creator of the universe who died for us. We have to come to him like a child. We have to be like a child in receiving that faith because we don't understand it. So when we think of this worship service, one of the aspects of this worship service, we want to keep it childish. We want to keep it uncomplicated. What does that mean? That means if you want to hear about gossip and stuff, you better turn on the view. If, if, you, want, if you want free advice, you go to Dr. Phil. You want confusion, you turn on a politician. But if you want to hear about God and his ways, then hopefully this is the right place. We want this service to be a place for everyone, for all. We want this service to be a place for believers, no matter how long you've been a believer. We want this place to be a place for seekers, those who have questions and are actually seeking out if this is really true. We want this place to be for those who are curious, just wondering, what is what's going on here? It's kind of like the reason why we want to keep it clear and uncomplicated. It's a, it's a very simple principle. It's just like if you slave in the kitchen and you make this, these wonderful cookies that are the favorite of your child. You want to keep those cookies in reach. You want to keep them in their reach. You want to keep them in their sight. And we want this service to be that clear and uncomplicated. So that's one aspect when we, we talk about an uncomplicated, clear service. But we also, we want to create an environment of reverence. Look at verse 27. It says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You know, I hope you never, ever feel that Christianity is just a simple, just part of life, just part of American culture, just part of how I was raised. No. Christians make up a very unique and privileged group. We are chosen by the creator of the universe. And there is something very special and very mind-boggling about that whole idea that God chose you. If you have that faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for you, God chose you. And one of the, the real special things Really, when I think about God choosing us, but also when we think about coming together on Sunday morning here in this church, one of the special things about being a pastor of a church is I have a certain amount of influence on how we mold and shape the, 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 the atmosphere here, the environment here, on, on how the culture of the church is, is developed. And it's really a very privileged position I have, and, and it's really a blessing to be a part of it. When I think of this sanctuary, when I think of this room, 
and, the, and coming to church every Sunday morning, there are two texts in the Bible that speak to me I'm going to share with you. And ever since I've been a pastor in, in a church, I've always thought about these two texts that have helped me, um, just keep me, keep me on the right line in helping to create the right atmosphere and culture. Uh, the first one is in the Old Testament. And it's a text where Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he sees the burning bush there. And he says, oh, wow, look at this bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. And suddenly, as he's looking at this, this voice comes down. This voice just comes out of nowhere. Moses, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Moses understood. And kind of out of fear and trembling, really reverence for this voice, this, this one he saw as God, he took off his sandal. A fear and respect, a real reverence. That's one text that, that, that I feel is important in understanding the, what we need to have here in our, in our Sunday service. But the other text comes out of the New Testament. The other text is, is Jesus now, it's that text where Jesus is just sitting before a crowd of people. And as he's sitting there, suddenly, out of nowhere, some child comes running toward him and without any reservation at all, just jumps on his lap and gives him a big hug. And the disciples come around there and say, whoa, whoa, kid, what are you doing, you know? And Jesus looks at this child and probably is smiling and says, hey, hey, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. See, I truly believe with all my heart that a worship service that truly honors and glorifies God is a balance of the two. A balance that can only come with an attitude of reverence, but with a personal relationship with who you're worshiping. And that's only developed by that, by that time and that walking side by side. See, it was God's choosing, when we think about that personal relationship side, it was God's choosing for him to tell us that, hey, I want you to see me as your heavenly father. Now think about that. He could have said anything. I want you to look at me as the general. I want you to look at me as your prime minister. I want you to look at me as the king. But no, he says, I want you to look at me as your heavenly father, which immediately creates in our minds that, that, that desire of God for him to have that relationship with us that is personal, and that is ongoing. No matter how your relationship with your earthly father has been, or was, or is today, know that God's desire for anyone who comes to him in the name of Jesus is that they have a loving, personal, everyday relationship with him as a heavenly father. So how do we enter his presence with the attitude of reverence? 
and, and, and let's say relationship, you have reverence and relationship, how does that mix together? Well, let's think about it this way. It all starts and ends with God on our mind. First off, if you come to the Father through Jesus the Son, as the Bible says, you have taken that step of faith to say, Jesus Christ died for me. And because of him, I have forgiveness of sins and I can come before the Father and you put your faith and trust in him that way. Then you should come here in a spirit of worship. A spirit of worship that, that says, uh, that, that expresses, expresses your love, that expresses your gratitude, and really even has a touch of awe. A touch of awe that, wow, I am a child of God. And, and I hope that if you come with that attitude of worship, that you're going you're gonna to want the Holy Spirit in you to kind of free you up. Kind of free you up to worship God in a manner that is just a blessing to you, but glorifying to the Lord. Now, if you come here hoping to learn what all this Sunday morning stuff is about, then you've got to come with a spirit of expectation. You want to come with a spirit of being a little bit open, mind and, and, and heart, to what God may reveal to you about himself. It may be through your songs, it may be through the message, it may be through the person you sit next to, but he's going to be open to his touch, his voice to you, if you really are coming here to find out what this is all about. And for sure believing that God never turns away from those who seek him. Never. But, let's say you're here for a free lunch. You come here because you hear, hey, this church gives free lunch after service, okay? Bon appetit. Enjoy. But, keep in mind, keep in mind what Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Reverence, relationship. That's the atmosphere we want here Sunday morning. Reverence and relationship. But let's go on. Let's go on with our text here. It says we want to reveal the God who cares. These verses, verses 28 to 30, are just really well-known verses, and they're shared over and over again because they are so personal. Matter of fact, one person I just shared these verses with this morning who's teaching in our Sunday school right now, who's teaching our kids in Sunday school, as I shared these verses with our Sunday school teachers, this person said, you know what, this is one of the few verses of maybe the only verses where Jesus is actually describing himself to his followers. And I thought about it. That is very interesting. You know, there, I'm sure there are other ones. Matter of fact, some come to my mind. But nothing that's so clear and personal as these verses. Look at verses 28 to 30. Let's read these again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This word come is a powerful word. Matter of fact, when you look it up, this word come, which meaning to, to draw near to God, to get close to God, when you look at that in a, in, a, in a concordance, let's say, where you can look up words in the Bible, that word is used over 1,800 times in the Bible. Over 1,800 times to draw near to the Lord, to come near to God. Whether it be Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, that word comes up. And it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us because for every aspect of our faith ultimately points to God's desire for us to come to him, to draw near to him, to be with him. Why? Because God's love, right? Bible is so clear. God, it's not that God loves, it's God is love. That's crazy when we think about it. Not that he just loves, he is love. It is his nature. He loves, he is love. And what does he do with this love? He has shown throughout human history that he is taking direct aim at mankind, his fallen creation, and that's his object of love us the only living thing on earth that's created in his image is what man women us people we're the only living thing on this earth and when we read our text here when you really think about who is he talking to here in this text in matthew 11 starting with 28 he's talking to the jews and he's telling the jews here he's telling the israelites hey Come to me. He's telling them, come to me. I'm not religious. I'm different than the Pharisees. I'm not going to burden you down. I'm not going to tell you they're this and that, all this, all these wacky things. I'm here for you. I'm here and you just come to me. And he says what? And you will find rest for your soul. And he starts off by saying what? He describes as, I am gentle and humble in heart. And so we see something here that's very important, the path to rest. If you think that idea of rest sounds really good, maybe you've been running, maybe your, your, your kids are driving you crazy, maybe your job is just stressful as all get out, but you just need some rest. Realize that the key here, the, a path to rest begins with being lowly and meek. Why? Lowly and meek, a willingness to admit, I need a Savior. I need God. I need God in my life. That's where it has to start. A meek spirit before God that cries out, Lord, teach me your ways. Because, man, there's just sometimes, Lord, my ways just don't work that well. A lowliness that's willing to be a servant rather than be served. Jesus advised us to take his yoke, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, what is a yoke? You guys, think about it. You guys know what a yoke is, don't you? It's like having your two oxen together, and you got this, this 
wooden bar that connects these two oxen together and so they got to walk side by side and they're they're pulling this burden carrying this burden together jesus is saying you know what i know every one of you is yoked to something i know every one of you is yoked to something or some person Every one of you is carrying a burden of something that maybe that thing is something that perishable, something that's going to rot, something that really isn't that good a thing when you really think about it. But you're yoked to it. And you may be yoked to a person, maybe a person that, that, that really is a tough person to be yoked to. They, they drag you down. They, 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 they keep you from walking the way you want to walk. And maybe you just can't, you just can't escape that yoke, but he's saying, hey, take my yoke. Because when you take my yoke, I'm going to help you carry everything. I'm going to help you take it all. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. I'm going I'm to be there in those times of, of loss. I'm going to be there to help you carry that, 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 that burden you got to carry. You just can't get around it. I'm going to be there in those times when no one else is there. I'll be there. You've got to come to me. See, we want this worship service to reveal that God who cares. God loves you without changing a single thing in your life. But there's a catch. Realize there's a catch here. There's a glitch here. God uses flawed people for this service. God uses flawed people like me. God uses flawed people like Pastor Corey. You know how flawed he is. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Don't tell Pastor Corey when he comes back next Sunday, right? Okay. And, and he uses flawed people like Tina and Andrew and, and Mark and Jessica and Norm and Renee and all the rest who are involved in this worship service. We're all flawed people. But, but know that we want this service to be a service for everyone. And in all our shortcomings, we want God glorified. And in all our flawedness, we're doing our best for him, we're doing our best for you, and we're doing our best for the next person that enters our doors. That's the kind of service we want here every Sunday. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, as we uh, just come before you and we think about that. We thank you we're able to meet here on Sunday. We thank you for the privilege of being able to, to be your servant here on Sunday and to worship you on Sunday. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to bless. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.